Basilisk Eyes, a Harry Potter fanfiction by Hegemony, available on Archive of Our Own, fanfiction.net, and Wattpad. Authors note, the characters and story belong to J.K. Rowling, and the story starts at the end of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Irish Potato 2255 for volunteering and recording this chapter. You can find them on Spotify as Wolf or on Wattpad as Irish Potato 2255. Chapter 4. Fried Tomatoes Harry woke with a start and opened his eyes, blinking against a bright light. He closed them quickly again. It was too bright. Something had woken him up, he realized. A loud noise. Then he heard Hagrid's booming voice, except he was clearly trying to whisper. How is Harry doing? He's sleeping, Madame Pomfrey hissed. Harry grimaced. Not anymore, he thought. Hiya, Hagrid. Harry sat up and groggily called out to his big friend. Then he tried to look around the room to see if he was waking anyone up, but he could barely open his eyes against the bright light, and he remembered. He hadn't seen anything since his encounter with the basilisk. Well, not much anyway. Just bright lights and shadows. Today, today we'll get it sorted out. Bottom palm free will talk to the healers at St. Mungo's and find someone who knows what to do. He swung his legs out of bed and felt around with his feet for his slippers. Not finding them, he located his wand and muttered the slipper spell. He tried to open his eyes again and decided just to keep them closed. Haggard's steps shook the floor as he approached Harry, and he heard him settle onto the bed next to his. How you doing, Harry? Haggard asked. Why you got your eyes closed? It's too bright in here to open them, Harry stated, turning towards Haggard. It occurred to him that he must be looking right at Hagrid's belly, so he angled his head up a bit to line up with Hagrid's face. Oh yeah, I heard you got venom in your eyes, Hagrid said. But wait, does this mean you can see again? You can see the sunlight coming through the windows? Nah, said Harry. Harry made a calming motion with his hands. It was like this yesterday, too. I can see some lights and really bright lights hurt, but I can't see anything except the light. People kept lumosing their wands in my face yesterday. Talking about his lack of vision made his stomach seize up, so he cast around for another subject. So you were released? Yeah, Hagrid said. I bloody hate that place. Wizard prison? Harry asked. Yeah, sucks the life right out of you. Harry could hear Hagrid rubbing his big hands together as he said this as if to warm them up. So why'd you kill the basculus for? Couldn't you have spared his life, Harry? Hagrid moaned. The poor creature. Hagrid, the monster was trying to eat me. Well, yes, Hagrid acknowledged. So, you going down to breakfast? Harry's stomach rumbled in response. He had heard Madame Pomfrey swishing around in her robes and guessed that she was close by. Madame Pomfrey, may I go down to breakfast? He asked. Her clipped footsteps approached him, and he turned his face towards her but kept his eyes closed. Yes, Harry, we'll be going to St. Mungo's at 7.50 a.m. I set up an appointment. Hagrid can take you down to the Great Hall for breakfast. Then you need to be back here so that we can flew from the fireplace at 7.45 a.m. What time is it now? It's 6.25 a.m. on Monday. You slept through Sunday, she said. Your clothes are cleaned and folded at the end of your bed. You were missing a sock, so I duplicated the one you had. I'll put up the curtain again, she paused, murmuring, and Harry tried opening his eyes to see if the curtain helped. Does the curtain help with the bright light, then? Yes, that's better. Harry said. For whatever reason, he felt more comfortable with his eyes open, even though they didn't give him much more information than when they were closed. He could feel the air better with his eyes open, he realized. 
He could feel the gentle currents of air as people moved their hands and wands in his vicinity. Let me fix up your glasses, then. I can make the lenses opaque. She bustled by him, and he heard her tapping his glasses with her wand. She was quiet for a moment, and there was a pregnant pause. He looked up at her questioningly, wondering what she was doing. All right, here you are, Harry. She seemed a bit embarrassed. He realized she must have been holding them out to him. He grasped them and put them on. He was glad to have his glasses back on, as he always felt a bit naked without them. He rose and went to the end of his bed, felt around for the curtain opening, and stepped into the corridor to see if the opaque lenses helped with the intense sunlight. He was relieved that they did. That's great. Thanks, Madame Pomfrey. Hagger touched him on the shoulder as he passed Harry, and Madame Pomfrey also left the curtain enclosure. Okay, good. Harry, don't eat too much or too fast. Take it easy, okay? I'll see you at 7.45, she said as she walked away. I'll just wait out here while you get dressed, Harry. Hagrid seemed a bit teary. Hey, Hagrid, is anyone else still here in the infirmary? Harry was curious. Nah, just you. I'll be betting that everyone's still sleeping. The feast yesterday went on for a while. Lost to celebrate, Hagrid said. Harry went back through the curtain to his bed, found his clothes. It took him a bit longer than normal to put them on, but once he stopped thinking too hard about it, it was easier. He realized he just needed to pretend that he was getting dressed in the dark to sneak around the castle in his invisibility cloak. That brought a smile to his lips. Okay, I'm ready, but can you take me to the loo? Sure, Harry. It's right over here. Hagrid turned Harry by his shoulders and shoved him forward. Harry stumbled and then found his footing and started walking forward until his outstretched hand found the door. He was glad it was a small bathroom, and he was able to find his way around pretty easily. Harry got a little unnerved, though, when he wondered if Moaning Myrtle was watching him from the U-Bend. He didn't like the idea that people could watch him and he wouldn't know it. Harry was dreading it a bit, but maybe there wouldn't be many people down yet. Yep, let's go, said Hagrid. And Hagrid started walking down the corridor. Harry started falling behind, walking from bed to bed as he had last night. He heard Hagrid stop. Well, Harry, I shouldn't have done that. Just left you. Hagrid said as his big hand clasped Harry's shoulder, making him lurch forward. I'm sorry. It's all right. Just let me hold on to you, Hagrid, Harry said as he reached up for Hagrid's shoulder, then gave up and settled for his forearm. He ended up just holding onto the fabric of Hagrid's shirt. His forearm was too broad for Harry to get a hold. Harry breathed a sigh of relief when he remembered that the hospital wing was on the first floor and that he didn't have to navigate the moving staircases or the trick stairs just yet. Harry held his breath as Hagrid opened the doors to the great hall and waited to hear if anyone noticed them coming in. But it seemed pretty quiet. He could tell there were at least a few people in the room from the sound of silverware and quiet conversations, but no one seemed to stop when they came in. Hagrid led Harry over to Gryffindor's house table and his usual spot. Thanks, Hagrid, said Harry, as he found the table with his hand and lowered himself down onto the bench, swinging his legs over. You all right here, Harry? Hagrid asked. I'll be heading up to the high table. Yeah. Is anyone else at the Gryffindor table? Harry asked. No, just you. Lou Percy's sitting at the Ravenclaw table with that prefect who was petrified. Not many other folks down here. Like I said, they'll be lying in today. Harry nodded and listened as Hagrid clumped towards the high table. Harry waited for a second and listened for the pop of breakfast magically appearing on the table before him. He felt around for his plate and silverware, then carefully slid his hands forward on the table to locate the dishes. He could smell bacon and kippers and tried to discern other foods by their odors, but the kippers were drowning out all other aromas. His fingers collided with his goblet and he grabbed it quickly before it toppled, though it splashed a bit of pumpkin juice on the table. He found his napkin and tried to mop it up as best he could and get the stickiness off of his fingers. He sipped his pumpkin juice and put it down carefully to the side so that he could try finding the other food again without knocking it over. He found a dish and pulled it close to his plate and felt around the rim until he could find the serving spoon. He poked around the dish with the serving spoon and leaned close to sniff to see if he could figure out what it was. It smelled like fried tomatoes. He tried to spoon one onto his plate, but he kept slipping off the spoon. He finally gave up and shoved it back, casting around for another dish. He found the bacon and gave up trying to use the tongs to get a couple pieces. 
and just fished them out with his fingers, hoping no one was looking. Next, he found toast. He wasn't willing to try getting the fried tomatoes again and settled on plain toast. At least with toast and bacon, he reasoned, he was less likely to end up wearing his food. Nibbling on bacon and toast, he listened as footsteps echoed through the hall, nearing him. He felt the bench rock as someone sat down next to him. Hello, Harry asked, curious about who had joined him. Good morning, Harry, said Percy in his usual formal manner. How are you doing this morning? Harry shrugged and made a half-hearted attempt at a smile. He wasn't sure what kind of response he should give. He was saved from having to come up with words by thundering footsteps. Blimey, Harry, you missed a crazy feast yesterday. Seamus's voice exploded into the scene as he rocked the table, sitting down. Say, why are you wearing sunglasses? Seamus blurted out, his mouth already full of food. It sounded like he was dragging half the platters towards him and piling all sorts of food on his plate. Harry had eaten across from Seamus enough to know what was going on. I got some venom in my eyes last night, and it made my eyes really sensitive to bright lights, Harry explained. Wicked! Seamus exclaimed through a mouthful. I heard you killed a basilisk with a sword! Yep. Say, Percy, are you going back to Gryffindor Tower? Harry turned toward Percy. Um, Percy's gone, Harry, Seamus said soberly. Oh, right, said Harry, embarrassed. So, what? You're blind? I thought you said the light hurts your eyes, Seamus asked. I'm not blind, Harry said indignant. I just can't see right now, okay? Sorry, mate, I didn't... Seamus's response was flipped by a high-pitched squeal. Harry! Harry was relieved to hear Hermione's voice as she came running toward him, her hair swishing into his face as she embraced him clumsily from the back and settled onto the bench next to him, knocking him sideways in her hurry. She clung to him. Did Madame Pomfrey fix your eyes, then, she asked. No, we're going to St. Mungo's this morning, Harry replied. Say, what time is it? Just a little after seven, replied Hermione. He could hear her dishing food onto her plate. Hey, Hermione, can you put a scoop of fried tomatoes on my toast? I couldn't manage it earlier, he asked quietly. Sure, here you go, she said. You want me to cut it up, too? Nah, I think I can handle it, he said, poking around his plate with his fork and knife, locating the slippery tomatoes at the top of his toast and cutting through them to stab them. He managed all right, though a few bites fell off his fork. He leaned forward, hoping they fell onto his plate and not his lap. Seamus and Dean, who had joined them at the table, were bombarding Harry and Hermione with questions about what had happened in the Chamber of Secrets. You'd hear other students coming into the Great Hall, too. Harry did his best to recount the events, but it was hard to do and eat at the same time. He resorted to nibbling on bacon and sipping plum and juice. He was distracted, though, thinking about the trip to St. Mungo's. As the great hall filled up with students, it was harder and harder to hear the students around him and follow the conversation. Ron finally joined them, sitting on his other side, and, and was really enjoying talking about what happened in the chamber, even the parts that he didn't witness. Everyone was super excited that final exams had been cancelled. Well, except for Hermione. And that Professor Lockhart had left to try to restore his memories. Gryffindors were even more elated because they had been awarded the House Cup with an addition of 400 points earned by Ron and Harry. Ginny, sitting next to Hermione, was pretty quiet, though. And Harry was worried that she was still blaming herself for what happened. Especially as Ron's descriptions got more and more dramatic. Harry leaned forward, hoping to catch Ginny's attention, and said, Hey, Ginny, could you take me back to the hospital wing? I need to go to my appointment at St. Mungo's. Harry wasn't sure Ginny had heard him and was about to ask Hermione to get Ginny's attention for him when she answered in a small voice, Sure, Harry. He heard her sliding off the bench and felt her small hand on his shoulder. Your sunglasses look nice, Harry, she said with a sniff. Harry hoped she wasn't going to start crying again. Thanks. Madame Pomfrey changed them so that the sun doesn't hurt my eyes so much. He stood up and she guided his hand to her shoulder. Out in the corridor, Ginny turned her head toward him and muttered, Harry, I'm really sorry about your eyes. Harry squeezed her shoulder gently. Ginny, please stop blaming yourself for this. I'm going to be okay. They'll be able to sort it out the same moon goes, okay? And even if they can't, he faltered here at the thought, and for Ginny's sake, went on, 
It isn't your fault. You didn't ask to be possessed by Voldemort or taken captive in the Chamber of Secrets. You have to forgive yourself, okay? I think we're all just lucky to be alive right now, you know? Could have been much worse. You promise me you'll stop blaming yourself, please? Okay, Harry. I'll try. But if they can't face your eyes, it's going to be really hard, she said. They had stopped, and Harry guessed it was because they were outside the door to the hospital wing. He pulled Jenny into a clumsy hug. I was scared we'd lost you, Jenny. I'm glad you're okay. Thanks, Harry, she said, and pulled the door open.